1: Hey, what is up everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as charged podcast presented by the Blue Hour podcast network. My name is Steven. I am your host as always. And then joining me tonight to react to the Chargers uh, Sunday night football performance against the San Francisco 49ers are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you man. How are you doing tonight?
2: Uh, Falling asleep uh towards the end of the second quarter i made a pot of coffee and here we are uh didn't didn't energize the chargers offense in the second half but it sure did energize me so uh yeah i guess we're here there we go uh unfortunately you know
1: back-to-back weeks where we're gonna be having some uh cups of coffee at halftime so uh you know should be fun you get the eagles on uh, prime time tomorrow night as well great <laughs> uh tyler's here man tyler what's up how you doing tonight uh
3: doing well you know they lost but i feel some optimism moving forward i think
1: yeah i uh at least it sounds like for us we're not gonna be super uh negative at this point you know I, I think the chargers obviously very outmanned in this particular game uh coming up six points short um you know really i i think we should essentially treat this as like a 19 to 16 loss but that's just me um and we'll dive into All of that, uh, essentially, at some point. So, first and foremost, um, (laughs) at some point, maybe we can stop talking about injuries. I don't really know uh, what is happening at this point, but uh, Gerald Everett goes down late in the second quarter with a groin injury. Otito Ogbonia really was the first one to go down. Uh, Looked like a knee injury uh, with an already light defensive tackle room. And then, obviously, Christian Covington, who really immediately reached towards like his shoulder pec area i would i would assume at this point based on how the season's going that that's probably a uh torn pec muscle and he's probably out for this season unfortunately for him so uh we'll see how that goes um you know we'll see what if anything brandon city says tonight but uh chargers very very short on uh really any kind of personnel and then they lose those three players tonight as well so Uh, First and foremost, hopefully we get some uh, positive news regarding those injuries uh, moving forward. Yeah, credit to the three guys in the defensive tackle room who, like, it wasn't
3: great, but they did fight and hang in there, and they didn't make enough plays. I mean, the Chargers did have enough opportunities, and frankly, again, the the 49ers basically scored 19 points um, during that game. And yeah, they kind of had their way on the ground at some points, but I think those guys did enough give the offense a chance um the the real one that really seemed to hurt was Everett because things were clicking they had options herbert made Mm -hmm. at least one throw his way um a big one i think on third down and then just the the drop off from everett to mckitty who is really tight in three was pretty significant and the Chargers just didn't seem to have any other way to manufacture something in the middle of the field um and so that really hurt them for sure it
1: doesn't seem like he was ever he was never actually ruled out was he no but I don't uh, he was shown several times on, on the sideline and I don't think he ever had his helmet with him yeah um, so maybe he was trying to, to push through it and wasn't able to get out there but I mean they barely played Richard Rogers I mean Trey McKinney like that was a huge this is a huge loss if Gerald Everett is going to miss extended time going forward no I yeah. would literally call Jared Cook I'm not joking and she, <laughs> and this is another tight end out there
3: but
2: yeah, I mean, right. Um, this is a game where they miss Donald Parham, too, because I think if you had mm-hmm. Donald Parham to come in for relief of Gerald Everett in that situation, then I don't think the offense would have looked as bad as it did in the second half. Uh, and, you know, he probably bails Herbert out on a couple third downs or just a couple throws here or there. Uh, but, yeah, the drop off from, you know, Gerald Everett to Trey McKitty was just very noticeable uh and you know really did cost them and obviously the injuries to you know uh otito and you know the defensive line room being down to sebastian joseph tay brayden foco and morgan fox is very suboptimal and i don't know what that means going forward what kind of signings or promotions they're going to do throughout the week here to you know kind of get through this period but uh, yeah, losing Otito and Covington definitely hurts for you know a team that was already reeling on the injury front. Uh, and it was probably the best part of their defense today in terms of their total effort. It was just those guys gritting it out on the defensive line, especially towards the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I, I would just say as a whole, like, yeah, this team's banged up. It's, it's kind of a what do you want them to do kind of game. And we'll talk about the specifics of the offense and defense later. Um, but yeah, just a shame to see Covington and Otito go down. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, we'll see what
1: happens there. But, um, I, I think from a general sense, all in all, I'm fairly pleased with how the Chargers played tonight. I mean, obviously there were certainly some execution errors that, uh, I wish would have been cleaned up. I mean, if you're talking about Donald Parham versus Dreamy Kitty, that pass, if it's Donald Parm, is probably a touchdown. Like, if we're being completely honest with with uh, where Gerald, with uh, where Trey McKitty is at right now. So, um, I mean, the, the the offense just shrunk. Like, and by the that I mean, essentially, they were outmatched at every single position. Essentially, outside of like interior offensive line versus defensive tackles, like that was pretty much it. So, um, I understand there's always going to be a lot of complaining about the play calling and all that stuff, but. When you lose Gerald Everett, when you're playing against this 49ers defense, and all you have is Josh Palmer and Austin Eckler, like this is what's going to happen. Like this is essentially they they just didn't have the kind of horses that they needed to get into this kind of matchup. You know, they couldn't run the ball, and so I I understand. Like I'm not saying that Joe Lombardi is called a perfect game or anything tonight um you know i think at some point we also just have to give credit to who the chargers are playing and the 49ers to me are a top three defense in the league and when you're going up in this kind of matchup you have to do what the chargers did tonight you know they got out to an early lead they blocked a punt they got a turnover absolutely they uh should have converted certain situations but you know considering everything that happened leading up to this week during the game like, I'm fairly happy with how the Chargers played tonight, uh, considering how they battled. I mean, the, the 49ers only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. 3.8 yards per carry. Like, imagine if we had known that, you know, three days ago, how happy everybody would be, you know, with this defense. So, um, again, we'll dive into a lot of the things. But for me, like, I am i don't have any, like, sky is falling takeaways. Like, we, we kind of figured that this game would be uh, a loss for the Chargers, and You know, it being a really a three point loss, I think, is more positive than negative, at least in my eyes right now.
3: Yeah, I certainly didn't expect them to be this close. I had them losing by nine. Like, I think it was 21 to 30. I didn't think the defense had it in them. Um, And I didn't think the offense would start as hot as it did. It really did come out look pretty good. The first half, they put up 16 points and I'm like, okay, it looks looks pretty good. Like you're doing a pretty good job here that they didn't really get stopped by the 49ers they just stop themselves but that that is just so much the theme of the Chargers offense you know so many almost so many ah so close is, you yeah. know they get to the second or the the two yard line or whatever and then there's um a false start false start yeah yeah which which absolutely killed them and then you know Cyril gives up the pressure or the sack and then they get they're driving they're driving they're driving down the field and Herbert's got to come um, off the field because he gets hit in the head yeah. so just like two things that absolutely killed them in that first half that would have made the difference. Any one of those drives ending at a touchdown probably would have won this game for the chargers. But like you said, I'm not super sky is falling about this. It's pretty clear if the chargers were healthy and again, you know, close and almost doesn't count, but you get Keenan, you get Mike, even know, if, if you're just Trey Pipkin, if Trey Pipkin's played and he were healthy, obviously Chargers probably win. Yeah. Uh, I just, Nick Bose just turned shit on in the second half. And it was so clear. I mean, they, they, they had to max protect, as, as much as they possibly could without being doing the same thing over and over again and they were jamming palmer and they were they were pressing him and making it difficult for him to get open and he's not great at that separation off the line just yet and so you're max protecting and setting three receivers down the field yeah. maybe there's a delay out by mckitty and so your options if palmer's not getting open off the line and get, not getting a free release it's bandy it's carter you know your two five nine receivers and then you know mckitty in the flat off a of delay like just, and there's nothing else they really, there's not a whole lot they could have done, honestly. Like you said, the play calling, absolutely an issue at separate points. I don't know Alex has a couple of issues with a couple of the play, you know, specific plays and the timing of those plays. But <clears throat> I just, I don't, I don't know what else this offense could have done. They were clearly at some point just absolutely outmatched.
2: Yeah, I mean, in, term, in terms of expectations of this game, I predicted them to get blown out, thirty-four, um, seventeen. Safe to say that that didn't really like happen today. Uh, and and credit to this defense for for what it was. Um, I, I will say, by the time you get to the end of this game, and it's just like you know, they they you know really lost everything on offense. Obviously, when Gerald Everett kind of comes out of the game, and uh, prior to the game, you already are down Keenan, and Mike, and you're. You know, you're down Joshua Kelly, you're down like everyone and you're starting Foster Cyril and, you know, not the biggest game of the season, but the biggest spot of the season, I guess, against Nick So if you want to put it that way, um, it, you know, it's it is what it is. Um, I, I will say just it, it feels worse in a sense, I guess, because this game could have been won. Right. Like if just a couple bounces, like Tyler said, those kind of almost bounces that could have gone the Chargers way. Um, You know, at at some point, I do think the 50 yards in the second half and, you know, just not being able to really move the ball um, at at any point does kind of fall a little bit on the offensive play calling, especially in comparison to, you know, some of the big chunk drives (laughs) that they were getting in that first half uh and it, it just felt like at some point and you know this is also a product of not having those guys there but the offense felt rather predictable um like you know you can have a certain number of set runs that you're going to have but I, I don't think the number of runs was so much the problem and you have to run the ball with austin Eckler, and you have four wide receivers playing anyway and gerald everett is out of the game so like you're gonna have to run the ball but for it to be you know that one drive where they just had three or four back to back for, you know, first down runs. And then, you know, that I think was a problem in terms of just the diners kind of knowing what was coming every time. And, you know, then we could talk about the jet sweep to Carter, which, you know, we sort of talked a a little bit about before the stream. Um, But, you know, that's an example of outside of the Raiders game. I don't really think that has been one of their stronger plays all year. Um, And it's lost some yardage a few times. And so to go to that, where Nick Bose is just right there to, you know, kind of blow up the play. You know, I wasn't really a fan of that one. But at some point, you know, it just felt like the Chargers, after those drives in particular, were just kind of done in the game. And then, of course, you're asking a Joe Lombardi offense down, you know, all the pieces that they're down to go 99 yards for the win. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. which is just like, yeah, they're not going to do that. Um, so yeah, it. I do think obviously they played much better than any of us would have thought um, as, as a team uh, coming together in this game, but it does feel a little bit deflating. Certainly not a fire Lombardi type game um, just because of the pieces that he had there and you know uh, everything going into this game and certainly not a sky is falling type game, but you know, I think we're just feeling a lot better, I guess, if the Chargers found a way to, you know, sneak that win that they kind of had no business winning, but still could have won.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought from a general standpoint, I thought that the offensive game plan was fine. Like they, I, I don't think people really understand what you're asking this offensive line to do against the 49ers pass rush that, Probably the deepest pass rush in the league that, you know, when they go to a NASCAR package, you're talking about three guys who are all over 30 pressures, all over 15 percent pass rush win rates. Like you're just not going to ask Justin Herbert to straight drop back 50 times in this game. So I thought they came out and the game plan was pretty sound. It was a lot of max protect. It was play action. It was a good balance between running and passing. And it worked in the first half. But you can't just keep doing max protect every single play. And you can't just keep doing these play actions on every single play. Like at some point, you have to get to your base offense. And when that happened, the 49ers just essentially were teeing off. So Mm -hmm. I understand that there are certain frustrations. I absolutely am frustrated about the personnel and the roster management heading into this game. But I mean, Joe Lombardi heads into this game saying that, hey, we're not super fast right now. And, hey, I don't trust your practice squad receivers that you're giving me. I mean, I think I saw Jason Moore out there for like 15 snaps tops. Um, You know, it's just the personnel absolutely is an issue. But I thought overall the game plan was fine. And I understand the first down runs and things like that. But you're not only trying to protect Justin Herbert. You're trying to protect the offensive line. And I understand that people hate the run game. and, And I absolutely agree they should not be running at Nick Bosa. However, the run game is also a way to protect your offensive linemen and particularly your four string practice squad right tackle against Nick Bosa. So um, I'm going to push back on some play calling issues here. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm frustrated with the roster management that's going on right now. But at some point, like I said, we have to give credit to what the 49ers did to this team and how limited the Joe Lombardi was with his personnel and the ability to like call the game that he probably wanted to. So you're talking about a passing attack where you're relying on Michael Bandy and Jason Moore and DeAndre Carter to get downfield against the top secondary in the league. And what's going to happen is that you're just going to check down to Trey McKinney and and Austin Eckler because you don't have any other choice. So I'm not defending Joe Lombardi. That's not my mission today. I'm just trying to give some context to like really what's happening here. You know, the Chargers just banged up in every single spot. And the 49ers are an elite defense right now. So, again, I feel like the game plan was solid. Obviously, I want more points, 100%. But there is a lot of important context that people who are just asking for Joe Lombardi to be fired are missing from tonight's game.
2: Yeah. Uh, and for me, the personnel, I guess, is a big thing for me, too. Because, you know, we talk about, like, Michael Bandy and Jason Moore, you know, like. The one criticizable thing, I guess, coming out of this one is just like the Chargers have always talked about, you know, and consistently through the season. It's like, yeah, well, we don't really have enough speed. (laughs) And consistently, John Hightower left on the practice squad. Joe Reed left on the practice squad. Keelan Doss inactive. Um, So, like, I don't know what the Chargers are really doing here. You know, not saying that. Um, those guys changed the game. I don't think that Joe Reed and John Hightower beat the 49ers for you. But, sure. you know, I do think in terms of how much this offense has struggled in terms of getting separation, if you have one of those guys that finds a way to make a big play or just finds a way to get 10 yards here or there, right, like it just goes a long way. Um, and so I, I will say that like the the most frustrating part of carrying four receivers going into this game and really two of them being playable, you know, it just makes the offense so hard, especially after Everett went down. So I'll say the planning for this game. Yeah. There's not a whole lot you can do to circumvent Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, not being there, but you know, not activating the guys who should be activated in the receiver room to give you some kind of offensive burst is definitely something that I think uh, was a problem in this one. 100% Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know who inevitably makes these personal decisions. Who's active? Who's up? Who's whatever? I, I feel like if that's not Joe Lombardi, then and if he, if he's saying they need more speed, but he's not the one elevating or you know deciding who's active and who's not, then he has to have some more control over who's out there because John Hightower. I think um you pointed out Stephen Mac Hollins for the Raiders for whatever yeah. reason they decided to double team Mac Hollins and leave Devonte Adams uh, one-on-one or whatever it is over the middle. Now, the Raiders didn't win that game, but it just shows you on Adams' touchdown what speed can do. And so, you know, if Lombardi wants speed, get him some. If he doesn't have personnel control and he can't get high tower on the roster for whatever reason, give it to him or, or something. Because it's even obvious just based on the way that, I don't know, they just don't, they don't have the guys right now and huge credit to Nick Bosa as well. I forgot to mention him um, at, at some point, like Foster Sarah, like he just in that second half, it's <laughs> been move, whatever it yeah. was, there was nothing like there was nothing that guy could do. Again, they max protect, they send three receivers and two of them are definitely not getting open. Um, they try to go 11 personnel or whatever it is. And Sarah getting killed and Herbert's getting yeah. killed and it's right side, left side. They try to run, and Nick Bosa is shutting that down. They try to run. The linebackers are shutting that down. So, I don't know. I I, with, I, I hate talking about the whole Lombardi thing, but I mean, I guess people want to, and that that, that is the one thing <laughs> that they'll say until the rest of time. I, I would like to justify whether he stays or goes based on how he looks when he at least has both of his $20 million receivers on yeah. the field, or at least one of them. But, you know, it certainly would be nice when his wide receiver one is back on the field. And if it still looks like shit and they have nothing, it's the same play calls. They can't score. All the guys are back outside of someone like Rashawn Slater. Then you know what? Yeah, fuck them. Fire them. But it really until then, it's just like, I don't I don't know what they could have called. Like, hand a fan, a controller, have the same offense, the same players, <laughs> and crank it up to all Madden and go win the game I I don't even know if you could do that in a video game maybe you can I have no idea (laughs) Um, but I would imagine it's it's very difficult uh, to be playing it against a bunch of 99 rated players when you get a bunch of you know 50 rated players out there so that's my I don't even play Madden so I have no idea what I'm talking about (laughs) Uh, but hopefully that made sense to somebody
1: yeah absolutely I'm with you so I mean, you're talking, like I said, I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. The Niners have a great secondary. Like we're talking about Trevorius Ward, who's been one of the best corners in the league this year. Talona Hufanga, one of the best safeties. Jimmy Ward, one of the best slot corners. And, you know, if you actually sit down and watch like the, uh, the all 22 tape, it's teams don't care about Michael Bandy and Jason Moore and DeAndre Carter running deep. Like they just don't. It doesn't have the same kind of gravity that even somebody like a Matt Collins would that, you know, can draw two defenders cause he's fast and he's a capable speed threat. So, um, I, like I said, I don't have any like major issues. You know, it, it is what it is at this point. I thought the offense, you know, did enough to be in a, in position to win the game. But at some point you have to run your basic, you know, passing concepts and against this Niners team, like you're just, you're just outmatched. So, um, regarding those receivers, uh, NBC did report that, uh, Mike Williams ran, an aggressive pre-workout, um, uh, potentially feeling ahead of schedule in his recovery from the uh high ankle sprain. So Brandon Saley said earlier this week that Mike Williams uh, had a strong chance of practicing this week. And uh we'll see, man. I want to pass Mike Williams to play next Sunday. I hope that's the case. We've seen him recover from injuries uh faster than expected in the past. So um uh, you know, there's at least one positive injury update this week, and Mike Williams could potentially. Be back next week against the Chiefs. So we know, we all know how like how uh, how well he likes to play against the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, uh, please please bubble wrap that ankle though, um, <laughs> because we've been running our wide receivers back to practice too fast recently. So if you could just stay in bubble wrap for a couple more days, and maybe you could play against the Chiefs. Then that, that'd be great.
3: Yeah, yeah. They're like he aggressively conditioned, and then they show a video of him just like kind of rolling on his back. I know, <laughs> sitting up, rolling on his back, sitting up. It's like, oh yeah, aggressive conditioning for sure. <laughs>
1: absolutely all right I do want to talk about this defense because I thought you know obviously there were uh some certain plays that um you know I I think the defense agrees that they wish they would have back but for the most part like I said I mean you you hold this Niners rushing intact to 157 yards which is a big total right but it's 41 carries 3.8 yards per carry um you know obviously that yards per carry probably brought down a little bit by the quarterback sneaks but um, I mean Christian McCaffrey only had 38 yards on the ground, averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Chargers lose two defensive tackles um back to back. And so all things considered, man, I-, I thought the Chargers defense played really, really well tonight. Um, you know, we got Khalil Mack back in some pressures. We got um, you know, Derwin James had some great tackles. I mean, Brain Fahoko had some good run stops. Shout out to to Mr. Fahoko taking advantage of his opportunities. Um, and even Jeremiah Atauchi, man, had a had a couple good plays himself. So um, you know, like I said, it wasn't a perfect effort. It wasn't a perfect performance, but the chargers defense showed up in a, in a bigger way than I was expecting today. And, uh, you know, I, I thought they gave the chargers a really good chance to win tonight.
3: I, I was certainly surprised at the lack of Shanahan outside zone. It felt like just a lot of everything, a lot of inside like, stuff. Yeah, I know. And sure, whatever. Um, but no, seriously, huge credit to them. I don't know, you know, play to play to play to play how it looked, but overall, just off the top of my head, shout out to Kenneth Murray for appearing and looking like he was doing positive things. He had two tackles for loss. It looked like he was reading things just a bit better this game. Yeah. Um, It probably helps when you're facing Jimmy Garoppolo and you know, they're probably going to run the hell out of the ball, but whatever it was, I'll take it. Like it looked like something positive after looking like, Pretty lost against the Falcons. It seemed like he was much more clear this game.
2: I'm just going to keep coughing this entire podcast. Somebody else.
1: (laughs) Go ahead, Alex. Uh,
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think Kenneth Murray definitely rebounded uh, a little bit in the second half where he just had a couple pretty big uh, stops. You know, obviously still some missed tackles, not by any means like a perfect game from him. But if you're looking for a bounce back game, uh, you know, from how he has been playing recently, I thought that was it. Um, obviously can't talk about like how great the defense was this game without talking about Cleo Mack, you know, um, getting the sack on Garoppolo and then just like forcing Mike McGlinchey, you know, 50 feet backwards, the next play and pressuring Garoppolo again. Um, you know, that was, you know, kind of an awesome sequence there. And this felt like the real first game, I guess, in this time that Bosa has been out that he's really taken over and, and had an impact, uh, on the game, you know, himself in that kind of way. Uh, so really like the effort from him defensive line as a whole, um, did as best as they can, given the circumstances. I will say that I am surprised that, you know, the, you know, the chargers tried kind of mixing it up a couple times, uh, at edge, uh, instead of like the Kyle van Noy stuff that they were doing. Had a few different options there. I am a little bit surprised, like Tyler said, that you know Kyle Shanahan didn't just go, "Oh well, outside zoned," and like just do that uh, for a long time. Sort of feels like an unforced error, but I'll take it. Uh, considering you know how well Atlanta ran against that side and how well Cleveland previously again ran against that side, um, so yeah, I, that part of it was interesting to me. But aside from that, yeah, it was uh, overall a pretty good effort from the defense as a whole. Yeah, certainly encouraging. I
3: mean, you're, you're playing the Chiefs next week. Am I going to pick the Chargers to beat the Chiefs? No, I, I said I wouldn't, and I don't feel like I would um, even after this performance, but you at least do feel better. Like they're not going to, you know, get run out of the building at SoFi, um, although we've seen that twice so far this season. So, I mean, you know, very, very encouraging. I think we were very close to a very signature Brandon Staley win, um, mm-hmm. but I can settle for a, a somewhat signature Brandon Staley defensive game like his guys stepped up they played well they really held them to 19 points and that's as much as you can ask for for these guys especially after losing two guys um, and then two other guys the week prior from Austin Johnson
1: and Jerry Tillery although one guy wasn't going to play anyway yeah man I I, like I mean we've been Pretty critical of like the way that the Chargers have just kind of approached this, and it's been it's been a lot of like we're just trying to survive on defense and make sure that we're not like you know just getting completely gashed. And I thought that for the most part they had a really aggressive approach, and we saw, I mean, Christian Covington it's in good moments behind the line of scrimmage. I felt like there were you know three or four times that the Chargers could have gotten a tackle for loss and they just didn't. But it's like mm-hmm. they were in those positions to you know get behind the line of scrimmage a lot more than I I thought they would. So. Um, had some really good moments from Sebastian Joseph Day. Obviously, I mentioned Brandon Fajoco earlier. Um, the linebackers played pretty well, which um, this was probably kind of Murray's best game since 2020, if I'm being completely honest with uh, what I've seen from him over the last couple of weeks. So um, the defense stepped up in a big way, man. They got the turnover, like I mentioned. Fortunately, Chargers officially kind of tie the turnover margin, but um, the defense played exactly how I thought that they should have, and uh, you know they did that despite losing Otito and Christian Covington early in the game
3: man i would just look at the 49er stats nine quarterback hits seven passes broken up or passes defended i should say charges with just one quarterback hit and no passes
1: defended yeah that uh <laughs> i got some people tweeted me because obviously i was pretty vocal about like the whole foster foster thing uh but people were like messaging me like hey foster serrell played pretty well it's like I'm not ready to make that declaration yet. <laughs> no. I mean there were there was a lot of chipping and double teaming going on, so um I mean he, he I don't think they lost because of him for sure, um which is you know I guess an improvement over like week 18 Storm Norton or like uh Dallas Cowboys Storm Norton, but um you know, is what it is, but like I said man, the Niners defense is just really freaking good and the Chargers battled their asses off, but uh come up just a little bit short.
2: Yeah, um, I don't think this was a Foster-Sarrell masterclass by any means. No. Um, (laughs) What I think the Chargers did a decent job at was chipping and and giving Sarrell help or needed kind of adjacent to some of the Trey Pipkins games towards the end of last season. Um, But, yeah, but even even in comparison to that, you just could tell that they were giving Sarrell even probably more help than they were giving Pipkins last year. Um, So, yeah, didn't lose the game because of him. But if you are sacrificing, you know, resources and uh, tight ends and everything, you know, to kind of help with that situation, then you're kind of losing, you know, some momentum in the other parts of your offensive line. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of a trade off there.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm willing to bet that the offensive output and I guess only 16 points in the first half. We look at the yards, look at the, what they were able to do in the first half. I'm positive there's a relationship between how Harold did in the first half and obviously Nick Bosa versus the second half. Uh, it just seemed like they were surviving and getting it done with chips or whatever. He was holding up OK in the first half. They were moving. As soon as he wasn't, they were not moving. Um, other reasons as
1: well, but I'm, I'm sure that was a part of it. Yeah, Um, I want to talk a a little bit about some of the um, specific game calls that happened tonight. Um, I I think really one of the biggest ones of the game was Brandon Staley uh, electing to go cover zero in the red zone. uh, Ending up with that Brandon Ayuk catch that uh, took him to like the one yard line or something like that. First of all, everybody was saying that was Elohi Gilman's fault. Bryce Callahan was matched up with uh, Brandon Ayuk, not Elohi Gilman. So definitely wanted to clear that up. Um, But what do we make of Brandon Staley and just in general, how much more aggressive he's been with blitzing this year? I think the Chargers are like top five in blitz right this year. Um, But also that specific instance of him going cover zero to try. I assume he was trying to push them back a little bit more, get a longer field goal. But uh, Tyler, what do you make of that all out cover zero blitz uh, in the red zone?
3: I would say right now, especially with, I know JC Jackson is hurt, but the strength of their defense, I would say right now are, you know, Derwin James, Bryce Callahan, Michael Davis, Sante Samuel Jr. I think like those guys are kind of the strength. So in that scenario, you want to rely kind of on a strength. And if you don't have the pass rush, and I don't recall if Otito or Covington were hurt at that point, but you need to, other guys are hurt on the defensive line and you don't have Jerry Tillery. I know. You don't have Joey Bosa. You don't have Chris Rums. You need to manufacture things some way. And they've won some games because of the way Brandon Staley has sort of gambled. Cover zero is a bit rough um, and obviously didn't pay off. But I understand the gamble and I understand them trusting that, you know, one of the guys would make it work. Uh, They did not. But I understand why they went for it. And I don't have a huge problem with
2: it. Yeah, uh, I don't have a problem with it either. I mean, by even when they did score a touchdown on that drive, the Chargers, because of the missed PAT, were only down three, right? I mean, and even if they Mm -hmm. hadn't been down four uh, and needed a touchdown, like it should have been an expectation that, okay, well, you know, you have multiple opportunities or multiple drives to try to go get it. Um, So, yeah, I personally didn't have any problem with that call, didn't play off because the 49ers, you know, pick up the Derwin James. Uh, blitz there but you know there's also you know six out of ten scenarios if you run that simulation where you know they get in and have a big sack and you know we're talking about that play very differently um so yeah obviously a momentum shifting play but also not one that i think would have been you know terribly different uh i mean you know it's kind of a judge the process not the result situation there uh at least for me yeah. I, you know,
1: lots of people asking about the, the cushion that's happening in that specific instance. And, you know, I, I think from a coverage standpoint, when you go cover zero in that instance, you're just trying not to give up a touchdown. Like that's, that's really how you're approaching that from a coverage standpoint. Um, I like the idea of him being aggressive in that situation. Like I talked about earlier in the week, you know, Jimmy G was is not a quarterback who's really thrived under pressure really in his career, especially this season. Um, you know, I, now that the chargers have had so much success with those kind of designer blitz packages, you know, this is going to be something that they're going to have to make some adjustments with, you know, they've, they've mixed it up with tranquil and Murray and, and Derwin and and obviously Calvin Noy had a lot of action in that regard early in the season when he was still a linebacker. Um, but it felt like the Niners were really prepared for those looks all night long and they weren't really effective as they have as, as effective as it has been, I should say. So um, I like the idea, right like you're you're talking about a potential you know momentum swing if you're able to get home and get that sack, maybe you force a fumble, something like that, maybe you get an interception, but um you know so the the call I think is individually fine, but the chargers are gonna have to try and mix that up a little bit more as teams have now have a half a season of film of them doing it. yeah, that's worth noting heading into the the uh, chiefs game, I don't recall
3: how many they had against the chiefs in week two. But there's certainly more than I expected. You know, mm-hmm. everyone says don't blitz Mahomes, don't blitz Mahomes. Chargers did screw it. We're going to blitz Mahomes. Now you also had well, sort of healthy J.C. Jackson. You had Joey Bosa. You had basically a full defensive arsenal, so you felt a bit better. But I'm curious now, heading into that game, are they going to blitz as much as they did that first matchup? Will they back off? I don't know.
2: Yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting calculus there. Uh, because now you could argue that there's more of a reason to blitz with all the you know bodies and that they're missing, and there's more of a need to manufacture uh, pressure on second downs, long third downs. Uh, so we'll see what they do. Obviously, it's not super advisable to blitz Mahomes um, as the Cardinals demonstrated earlier in the year. But you know, at some point, the Chargers just have to get some kind of pass rush pressure consistently on him. And if they sort of feel the game out early and they're not able to do that, then I still would expect Brandon Staley to kind of use those designer blitzes uh, later on in the game. Yeah, man, this this Chargers pass rush, like,
1: I mean, Morgan Fox hasn't had a really good game in a few weeks. Like, you know, obviously we all understand why you move on from Jerry Tillery, but, um, you know, they, they've got to do something besides just, hey, Durban and Drew, like, go blitz. And like, that's our only way of, of pressure outside of you know Cleo Mack and his and his uh, sheer power. So um, they they need more. And obviously, like Joey coming back eventually at some point is going to fix a lot of issues on this defense. But like they need people to be better. And and obviously now they have some more roster decisions to potentially make with Otito and and Covington potentially being out. So we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, I thought individually that call was fine. Obviously. <laughs> We haven't really talked about Chris Collinsworth tonight and the, the like ejection thing that they were talking about for like nine minutes into the whole second half. Um, I guess, first of all, like I was initially mad that they made Justin Herbert leave the game, but at the same time, like obviously I don't want that to be to a situation where he, he does have the symptoms and you know, he has to, to try and play through that and things like that. So I understand the rule now. Like I think it is, you know, probably a, a better thing in the long haul, but, um, obviously a lot of people were upset about the ejection from the 49ers linebacker and you know I mean the broadcast was talking about it for like 25 minutes after the second half started.
2: Yeah, um I I don't think Greenlaw should have been ejected. Um I thought that was a pretty bang bang play situation uh and, and you know I don't think he really like intentionally head hunted Herbert there. Um but you know obviously ended up hitting him in the head uh and you know got the result from that play uh, in in a league that is trying to be you know in terms of the rule making at least a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to deal with potential concussions um, but yeah obviously Herbert being knocked out for that drive obviously kind of killed it <laughs> chase Daniel uh coming in was not put in a good spot there Uh yeah, I I don't know if the ejection warranted you know 30 minutes of commentary <laughs> as the game was going on in the second half, and uh, everyone, oh well, as demonstrated by my username tonight, that's how I feel about Chris Collinsworth, uh, because he stinks as a commentator and has always reeked for years. Uh, but you know, aside from that, uh, yeah, I, I thought that the ejection conversation was kind of overstated. Don't think Dre Greenlaw really intentionally laid that kind of hit on justin herbert but also don't think he really should have been ejected either yeah i get both a flag was definitely
3: obvious there um i'm thankful that herbert obviously well i guess we'll see with the concussion because we've had some surprises later on in the week where guys did also end up on concussion protocol um heading to the chiefs that would not be great especially after chase daniels uh, three fantastic plays today um I'm actually I'm honestly surprised that they ejected him because Herbert never even gets a call let alone has someone ejected him because they hit him. So the idea that they would give him the penalty and eject that player um was a surprise because Herbert is you know he doesn't get those calls. That said, when you twist his neck backwards and he has to leave the game to enter concussion protocol, I suppose that's part of the discussion that goes into it, but still a little bit of a surprise there.
2: Yeah. Um, I'll also say, like, Chris Collinsworth, man, like, he just says stuff that, like, demonstrates I don't think he's really watched a lot of the Chargers, where he's just, like, when Otito went down, he's just like, oh, Otito Bonio, one of the Chargers' young stars. I'm like, what? You know, like, he just said that, and I, I don't know, he's had a bunch of things throughout the game that made me think he hasn't watched a whole lot of Chargers football this year not that the chargers have been on and this is their first Sunday Night football game right uh they only played the thursday night versus the chiefs before yeah um so monday night yeah against the broncos yep oh yeah on monday night against the broncos as well um so yeah not terribly surprised but also yeah we get uh we get to hear chris collinsworth two more times this Sunday. oh awesome <laughs>
1: yeah i think i didn't first of all i didn't know that in the nfl you could eject somebody unless it was like truly egregious
2: like that yeah Um, i didn't know that i didn't know that they made it like the college rule um i don't know when that happened i guess i would want to look that up but yeah
1: yeah no i didn't know that you could could eject on that absolutely a penalty you know I, i was the the rules analyst that NBC has was like I didn't think that was forcible contact to the helmet I'm like what are we watching like did we watch the same play that absolutely was unnecessary contact to the helmet so uh ejection I didn't know but um Chris Collinsworth I was I was laughing too because there was that time where you know Kenneth Murray had a great play again Murray was was really good tonight this is probably his best game of the season um but then he was like that's why he was drafted in the first round I'm like all right Chris Collinsworth like let's calm down a little bit (laughs)
3: Yeah, he was like, uh, I think he thought that Storm Norton started the year as well. It was like, uh, Sarah was playing a bit better than Storm Norton to start the year. I was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess you're not wrong, but also it's been Pipkins, so
1: I don't know. Yeah. Um, I will say my biggest uh, play calling complaint was the way that they handled that Chase Daniel situation. I think in that God. in that instance, I think you pretty clearly like hand the ball off and like, let's just run the ball and uh, maybe play for a field goal in this instance. Obviously I wish they would have had a chance at a touchdown, but them asking Chase Daniel to drop back against the 49ers in that uh, instance after Gerald Everett is injured. I'm just like, bro, (laughs) run the ball, play through the field goal, be safe.
3: Yeah. I mean, he thankfully threw one, I think over Eckler's head, but one was basically a hospital ball almost. And another one was almost another hospital ball. um, And then I think he was sacked. So
2: Yeah, um, weird how conservative they played it to open the second half and how aggressive they decided to play it when Chase Daniel was in the game <laughs> um, for the plays that he was. So, I don't know, weird stuff there. But I guess I also get why they were taking shots. But at the same time, yeah, just it just didn't feel like the moment to do that. Yeah, yeah and then uh, Mike Tarico making a strong argument that team should be
1: allowed to have three quarterbacks on the active roster on game days. I'm like, okay, (laughs) but why? Or on the regular roster. So please don't. Yeah, please don't at all. Um, All right. So um, we mentioned the injuries, obviously. Do we want to talk about like what they do at this point? Or we kind of want to save that for Wednesday and see if they actually do anything.
3: I want to see what, officially i mean covington looks a little bit more i mean they both look serious but i do want to know what and then everett i don't know if Everett's out for an extended period of time um good god <laughs> they have no tight ends so no receiving tight ends i, I do want to go through some super chats real quick because we have about like seven of them okay yeah it's real quick on. Not that they're we we've covered some of these topics, but jet sweep was a fireable offense. Changed my mind.
1: Um, not great. Um, yeah, bad play call. I don't think fireable offense though. I'm like I said. I, I said this before to just the three guys here, but I'm fine if you want to do a jet sweep. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Carter not super successful in that regard. But doing the first half, not not in the fourth quarter when you're trying to put together a must win drive. So individually in a vacuum, the play call was fine, but the timing of it was was worse for me. Fireball fence? No, absolutely not. Still crazy that Nick Bosa read that and dropped him from minus six. Yeah.
3: From I mean, Nick, Nick S. Yeah. Uh, Alex, come on. Not having speed doesn't mean they want guys that can run fast in a straight line. They want a real wide receiver that also has speed. Dude,
2: I'll take a wide receiver that can run in a straight line (laughs) over Michael Bandy at this point. Like, I mean, please run fast in a straight line because then maybe you'll like get downfield and catch the ball. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, I'm just suggesting maybe try John Hightower one time. (laughs) They're not going to solve their wide receiver speed problem this year as a whole until the draft or until free agency or until any of those, you know, situations where they figure out what they want to do with Jalen Guyton or other wide receivers, you know, going forward. Um, But, like, yeah, I mean, you you just got to try something when it's not working. (laughs) Like, and they've signed John Hightower now for two months, and they've just decided not to use him. Same with, you know, their other speed wide receiver signings or guys that have some level of shiftiness on the practice squad. So I got to push back on that. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need,
1: uh, I mean, obviously I, we would all love to have somebody like Tyree killer or Jalen Waddle. Right. But, um, I mean, Jalen Guyton was great for this team and and he is not like a complete wide receiver by any means. So, um, just get somebody that's fast. that can occasionally threaten the, threaten the vertical parts of the field, take some attention away from the other receivers that you have. And, uh, yeah, I think John Hightower can do that again, not asking him to be perfect, not asking him for to come in and be a starter. Like, just play, just give him 10, 15 snaps a game and just have him run go balls. Like, just go be fast and like, see what happens. It must be so bad in practice
3: because I mean, Jalen Guy <laughs> in 2021, like he did pick up some yards in 2020, but like his hands weren't reliable. He didn't, he wasn't developed at that point as a route runner and they still had him as wide receiver three over Tyron Johnson. So if they don't even want high Tyron on the field, it must be bad. It, it must be
2: very bad. I I don't I don't know what to say about personnel stuff like yeah I'd like to assume it's bad for the sake of the coaching staff but I don't know because they've made questionable decisions when it comes to practice squad elevations all year. Um yeah. so at the same time I I don't I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, again, it's not like the end of the world or something that would have had them saving this game or you know saving this game if they played John Hightower but you know, at some point you know, even if you just say oh, it's a bunch of drops and a bunch of this and a bunch of that like the thing that they're missing in their wide receiver room right now, aside from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is a guy that can just do go balls and play 10 or 15 snaps a game. Like that is how much Jalen Guyton's loss has been felt like this entire year ever since he was out after the Jags game. Right. Um, It just created such a spacing issue for them. So like having that would be valuable and it's not, I don't think you can just reduce it to just being guy runs in straight line.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think even playing Keelan Doss or Jason Moore on the outside would frankly help. Like I, like we all advocated for Michael Bandy to be on this roster, but you're asking him to be your Z receiver and take on Charverius Ward one on one. Like it's just, you're not, you're not, you're not helping Michael Bandy become a better NFL player by asking him to be an outside receiver against legitimate top tier corners in the NFL. So um, at least the other guys are like, bigger and can get down feel a little bit more. So I, I think they do need to mix some things up. Obviously we'll see what happens when Mike Williams comes back. Maybe Keenan Allen comes back <laughs> at some point. Uh, you know, that was a nervous laugh, but um, you know, we'll see what happens there. So uh, you want to get to the next one here, Tyler? Sure. Christian Hernandez says wide receivers will get zero separation next week. Mm, depends who's out there, but you know, I think Josh, I trust Josh Palmer next week. Like Palmer had, he certainly had some opportunities tonight. There were a couple times where obviously the, the pass rush dictated, you know, an incomplete pass from uh, Justin Herbert targeting him, but we'll, again, we'll see. It sounds like Mike Williams is going to try and play next week and we'll see what happens with that with uh, Keenan. Hmm. Day to day, day to day for four months. It's great.
3: Uh, I have no idea what this is referring to from Frankie. I think day-to-day.
1: this, ha- this has to be a Niners fan or something like I, I, I thanks for the super chat, but. I mean, if you have wet dreams about Mac Jones and Jimmy G at quarterback, I think you need to reevaluate the way you watch football. I think you need to have a lot. Long... Oh, that sounded like a good rouse, too. It was great. Ha, when he comes back, we'll just laugh. I can hear his fan, though. Or the birds, I mean. birds. Anyway, um skip all right oh oh he's gone <laughs> shoot wow. all right you want to get to the next one or is there another one
3: i believe that was it unless i missed it i apologize if i did but I, I saw, saw
1: your that. mom did a super sticker so shout out mama Sharon, as always thanks mom all right looks like alex is back alex i'm really sorry we missed your your roast man
2: yeah well moments pass much like this game <laughs> so not even gonna get into it
1: all right uh let's get to our uh weekly segment of studs and duds here and then we'll we'll wrap it up Um... okay
2: okay no 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 fuck that hold on before we get to this this has just you know continued to go with the fan thing i've specifically turned the fan off i turned my camera off earlier in this episode to turn the fan off it's off as you can see on the wall right here and the birds are still chirping. I don't know if you can hear them. So you know what? This is the last time I'm addressing it. I read your YouTube comments every week. Every time I come into school, it just deflates me. <laughs> so if you could just shut the fuck up for once.
3: So it's your fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the conclusion. That you know.
3: <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I even at this point respond. I, I think at some point I will get to every human being on earth. Uh, trying to respond to them (laughs) but every three weeks it's like or every every week there's three people it's like tell him to turn off his fan or whatever and i'm like it's birds and they're like no it's not now full disclosure i've never seen these
1: birds so i'm just saying i don't actually know that they exist i'm just choosing to believe that they're real i will say that i know lde this is i made the mistake while you were frozen and and said that we could hear the the noise and i i see all the comments and see that it's a fan you know and so i mistakenly called it a fan but i did correct myself so i know that lde was was joking around but uh you know i understand the point for sure now everybody's gonna everybody asking for me to just see the pumpkin pie you know i did the pumpkin pie now everybody want everybody's gonna ask alex to like go uh you know wrangle a bird down and like have him bring it in his house and show it god
2: all
1: right let's get the and duds. <laughs> i'm done oh man it's a it's a late night for alex right now it's uh 1 30 a.m for for alex so you know here's what it is all right let's get to uh some studs and duds. Tyler, we'll, we'll do uh, one stud each and then we'll do one dud each. So don't do both at the same time. This time was my mistake last week. But uh, Tyler, who's your stud of the week or stud of the day, I guess?
3: Ooh, um, Brandon Staley. I will say that while they did not win, its defense performed oh. a whole heck of a lot better than I certainly expected. And I mean, they didn't play as well last week. Today felt like they did get a bit lucky. You know, there was that drop touchdown. Um, they even wasn't missed PAT in there, but I felt like brendan Sealy's defense actually showed up today far more than I ever would have expected um, heading into this game and with the offense not really helping them out all that much wasn't pretty wasn't perfect, but I'll give him I've given him a lot of flack all year and this felt like again, not a signature win, but certainly a, a kind of a signature performance because defense played well and they were undermanned the 49ers.
1: Oh shoot. <laughs> uh oh. Hold That's
2: Brennan
3: Staley.
1: Did you do that on accident? <laughs> Am I by myself?
2: No, you like left no. for a second. Where's I yeah, wasn't you, the only one who saw that, right? You left for a second in the middle
1: of your speech. We caught like 85% of it though. It's all good. It's all good.
2: Uh, Alex, who's your stud of the night? I'll go stud Khalil Mack. Uh, I think he's deserving of it for this game. We were sort of waiting for that one, like signature Khalil Mack game. You know, he had it against the Raiders, obviously, but that was at a time um, where the team obviously had Bosa, was in a different direction, Uh, and so you know, I uh, I think for what he did this game, it was uh, just really, uh, really praiseworthy, and you know, hopefully, he can continue it in these next, let's say, two or three weeks that they don't have Bosa.
3: That was the greatest speech I've ever given. Uh, (laughs) I can't give it again. You know when Forrest Gump gives a speech and they unplug him? That was
1: me just now. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Alex, I think picking Klylak is probably where I would have gone as well. I thought that he, you know, was consistently showing up in the run game. I mean, this was... Not necessarily a completely dominant pass rush performance or anything like that, but you know we needed to see him show up in, in a big way, and he made some several key plays throughout. So, I think that's a good call. I think for me, uh, I've been pretty hard on him throughout the season. I thought that you know I've been advocating for Troy Reader for quite some time. Uh, so I think it's only fair that I give a, a stud mm-hmm. of the night to Kenneth Murray. You know, I, Kenneth Murray gets two tackles for loss. Uh, obviously leaves the the game with an injury and then comes back in. Um, And I thought he played pretty well against the run. So I think it's only fair that Kenneth Murray gets a stud of the night from me since I've been so uh, hard on him all season. And like I said, pretty much advocating for him to not be benched, but take on a a decreased role. So uh, shout out to Kenneth Murray, man. I thought he played well tonight. Yeah, just anything
3: positive and not being a complete net negative was huge. But today he was actually a positive, it seemed, Again, play to play to play, I don't know for sure. Hard to tell, but he made positive plays and he looked much better than he has really all year. So that's a good one. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I will uh, go first on the duds. I think it's tough for me to you know, pin down one specific spot with where we were at, but I think Trey McKitty probably has to take one for that drop, man. I mean, took some points (laughs) off the Chargers board. Um, Mm -hmm. Frankly, I just... I don't know what he gives you as a pass catcher at this point. I mean, I, I was not like super excited when he was drafted, but I mean when you watched like what he did at the senior bowl, he was always making plays as a pass catcher. And I thought that there was at least some upside there. But we just haven't really seen any of that come to fruition outside of like flat routes. And you know, he gets these opportunities every now and then to make some some plays down the field, and he just well, he'll drop or he'll, you know, just be. I don't know. Like he's just kind of a dud for the season, unfortunately. Um, But tonight I felt like, you know, he really just did not do enough in the passing game uh, to be called anything less than a dud, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. It's yeah. That drop, man. I think, I think Donald Parham had a same similar drop against the Steelers in primetime last year, but um, yeah, you have your opportunities, your tight end won for three quarters of this game or whatever it was. And just like, like nobody, again, okay, there was a good portion of his role that was chipping Nick Bosa and that did help for sure. So I'll Absolutely. give him credit for that, sure. but like just being a kind of a nothing burger as a pass catcher. I mean, I even think Virgil green would probably would have stepped up a bit more and he was even more of a blocker and more of a veteran. So yeah, not great
1: from McKitty. Uh Alex, you want to give your dud and then uh, we'll circle back to Tyler.
2: Um, I don't have like a super specific done on offense or defense so i'm actually gonna go with jk scott um didn't think that this was the best game for him uh had one where i think both you know came inside the 50 and uh, he just sent one through the end zone left another one short um hasn't been the most consistent punter through the year uh just has had some weird shanks and punts that have gone in weird directions. Um, so his average won't look bad you know if you go he had you know four punts for something like 160 yards so 40 yards a punt is not bad by any means um but yeah just a weird game for him especially because it felt like the rest of special teams was kind of clicking uh so yeah the the randomness of, of this game was just uh, kind of tough for jk spot or jk scott <laughs> no i mean he had the 32yard
1: punt. In the first quarter and then the touchback, which wasn't even like it wasn't even close to being anything less than a touchback. It hit hit like eight yards into the end zone. So, um, you know, obviously the Chargers get the blocked punt, which was huge. Uh, Shout out Nick Neiman. So, uh, you know, we've turned a little bit of a corner with the special teams in in that they're making positively impacted plays. But yeah, man, J.K. Scott was was not great today.
3: All right, I'll I'll do it. Uh, It feels mean. But, like, it was a not great game for Foster Valiant. Um, <laughs> come on, man. Like, oh, but, like, come on. Like, it, was, it was bad. And I hate to say it because, you know, it was, it was a valiant effort for sure. And he did hold up in some instances. But, like, I mean, he was pretty bad in the second half. <laughs> um, things were rough. You couldn't really run that way. You couldn't fast protect. I feel like a jerk. Because he should <laughs> out there, um, but at the same time, like he was not great. Um, he was a okay. I'll pick somebody else. Um, yeah, I'll <laughs> pick
2: someone else.
3: <laughs> um, you know what? This will rile up the chat. Let me get the chat back here. Tom Telesco is the dud. That's there who's the dud because you know what, man? Joe Lombardi always looks at himself and says, "I need to do better. Ski needs to be better." This week, he's like, "Yeah, our team's fucking slow." <laughs> and, you know, and, and they put my other dud of the day, Foster Cyril, out there over Storm Norton. They had any opportunity and every opportunity to find any other tackle, no receivers, no tackles. I, I told you showed up today, so that was cool. Um, But for the most part, you're leaving your offense hanging out to dry and the offense sputters. It falls apart. They can't do anything. You're reading the room incorrectly. Um, So Tom Tolesco,
2: you're the dud. Yeah, I mean I think it's a fair point, actually. I mean, if we're talking about just the Chargers being inactive at the deadline, kind of being inactive this week in particular, after, you know, everything it looked like Trey Pipkins wasn't gonna play, didn't really decide to make a move at tackle outside of just starting Foster Sarrell over Storm Norton. Uh, and then, you know, we we've talked about the wide receiver and, you know, the other weird parts of this team right now in terms of the decisions they've made. Um So yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick. There you go, Tyler. You brought you brought the chat back around to being Asians back on your are side. just
1: brutally honest with each other. Okay, <laughs> like you know, you gotta be honest. Is, do we know if Foster is Asian? I see people in, in saying that in the chat. Do we know if he is or not?
2: I God, I hope so because I've been riding with that for the last year or so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people in this chat sometimes think that I'm Asian, even though I'm not. So I, I don't know. He's he's like he's Korean. He's not
3: Chinese. I don't think I think he's Korean. Um, You know what? Somebody uh, double check that for me. I'm 99 percent positive, but the one percent is going to get me fired.
1: Thomas uh, Martinez says, yes, he is Asian and I trust Thomas. So perfect. There we go. Good enough for us. All right, that's uh, that's uh, enough for tonight. So I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Um, Tyler, any uh, final thoughts, man? Uh, no, I have no thoughts. My thoughts don't originate from anything uh, original. Yeah,
2: <laughs> only copycats over here. Um, Alex, any final thoughts from you, man? Uh, good game. Good effort for the Chargers. Uh, hope that we can get some guys back and make it a, a better game next week against the Chiefs. If they can pull an upset, that'd be great um but yeah yeah that's uh
1: that's a fair one so um i mean like i said to start the show man i'm proud of the way that the chargers played tonight battled under all the circumstances that we we kind of discussed all the injuries um you know ultimately in my opinion i think we can call this a 19 to 16 loss so um chargers players played really hard man I'm really excited for them uh going forward to, to have this kind of uh, fight and spirit in this kind of matchup so hopefully getting some guys back next week hopefully uh you know better showing on offense against the uh chiefs next week so everything is still in line for this team i think it can uh you know if they can get to six and four everything is uh right there for them so i uh, appreciate everybody the chat was fun tonight uh thank you for the super chats as always make sure and like subscribe turn the, no- the notifications on all that good stuff if you're listening to the audio version please uh, leave a leave a rating or review. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Appreciate everybody. We'll see you soon.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.